You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. I normally like to yell. I won't be doing it today. Some of you are like, our prayers have been answered. Uh, well, I've spent the last couple of weeks in Longview. <clears throat> it's, it's been going awesome. Come on, Shannon's been there. Uh, the, the Lord has been there more importantly, and um, we are so grateful for what the Lord has been doing. Um, we need to pray for a new building because we are going to outgrow the one that we purchased very quickly. Um, but uh, it's, been, it's been fantastic to just watch so many different, you know, when you expand, what you really do is you make room for people to step up and lead. And uh, it's created a lot of room for people who normally wouldn't have had that opportunity, but now they're, they're stepping up and they are leading and leading very well. And uh, so church, uh, though you may come here, uh, we are one church with two houses, two homes, and I would ask you to be praying for what God is doing there in the cities of Longview and Kelso. It's of no surprise if you're from there, which I grew up there, my families are from there. Um, it's a deep religious community with a suffocating religious spirit attached to it. And uh, that religious spirit has restricted a move of the Lord. Although there are many churches, um, um, God has been restricted for a variety of reasons. And we're believing that we're going to partner with what the Lord has been doing there to see God come and touch Longview and Kelso and Castle Rock and Rainier and Toledo. So be praying. Be praying um, for uh, the walls to shift and break, for the foundation to be rebuilt, and for God to move. Amen? Amen. Um, this, this morning, uh, I, I was going to say something about my wife, um, but she's not here, so I will wait till she comes back. But grab your Bibles and turn them, uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, and uh, I, I want to, I, I did a series, a uh, series of two parts, uh, and I kind of want to continue in on that series a little bit, but we're going to uh, shift. That series was about leaving the village. Anybody remember that series or those two conversations that we had and about leaving a place of comfort to pursue the Lord? And uh, in order uh, for us to see a greater move of God, we have to be willing to leave where we've been and do something we haven't done. And I believe that the Lord is starving us, starving you, starving me out of a satisfied state to make us desperate for him again. Amen? Amen. In Genesis 37, verse 5, it says this, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Anybody ever had a dream and people hate you for it? He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? 
Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Say it's time to dream. Turn to your neighbor and say it's time that you dream. Come on, actually turn to your neighbor this time and tell them it's time to dream. Some of you are like, I'm not going to do it. Get a dream for your life and tell them it's time to dream. Here at the Promise Church, we, we like to keep it very simple. This is why we focus on what we focus on. When we started pastoring here seven and a half years ago, we felt like the Lord told us, keep it very simple. Just talk about Jesus. Because the revelation of Jesus is something that the church is in desperate need of. Before I continue, I must acknowledge that today is my wife and I's 12-year wedding anniversary. We're almost a teenager. We're almost a teenager. Nothing I'd rather do than watch you lead worship and me preach the gospel on our wedding day. So thankful for you. And I'm going to keep preaching. Whew. The greatest, the greatest revelation is this, is that we, we were not saved by a man who died on the cross who made a way for us to get to heaven so someday we could be free. But he died on the cross so that today we could be filled with the spirit of God, full of power, love, and a sound mind, fearless and brave to see the devil trampled wherever we go and his kingdom come and his will be done. And the world the church is constantly looking for the next great revelation. We're constantly looking for it. And that has opened the door to deception to come into the church and has prevented a move of God. Always looking for the next great revelation. But we will never find a greater revelation than the fact that we were saved by grace, bought with the blood of Jesus, and we could be free and transformed and whole and holy today. There is no greater revelation than that. And we need to get back to the truths of our founding fathers. They had a dream. They had a purpose. They did not preach because they had to. They preached because they were compelled to. They were compelled to. You and I are destined to dream. We are destined to have a higher purpose. We are not normal. Some of you are like, yeah, right, I ain't normal. You are not normal. You are blood-bought. You were created specifically and uniquely for this moment in time. There is not another person like you, thank God, because we can only handle one of each of you. You are perfectly and uniquely made according to a purpose and a desire of God. He did not mess up or screw up when he made you, but he crafted you for this season for a reason. You were made to dream. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
what you are saying is that you are filled with the fullness and the creativity of God. You are filled with the creativity of the maker of the universe. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in, dwells in you and dwells in me. And I know that God wants to give you a great marriage and he wants to bless your life and he wants you to be successful and he wants to give you a great car. He wants to give you a great house, all wonderful things. But if your dream fits inside of your surrounding, that dream is not from the Lord. God wants to give you a dream that transforms the world. Maybe not the globe, maybe not the U.S., but your world. Your people around you. God wants to give you a dream that transforms your world, your co-workers, your neighbors, your family. You are not insignificant. What is your dream? I have a dream of revival. I have a dream of seeing cities saved. I have a dream of seeing schools coming to know Jesus. I have a dream of seeing literal regions coming to know Jesus. You come to a church of dreamers. The phrase that we say all the time is we desire to see lives transformed, cities saved, and nations won. So if you don't like to dream, you're in the wrong place because we got big dreams. I had somebody come to me um, a couple months ago when we started saying this phrase, and they, they were like, wow, that's pretty presumptuous to say nations won. I'm like, no, that's not presumptuous. That's faith. Because God has given us a dream. And if he's given me a dream, I'm going to be bold enough to say it. What's your dream? I'm so thankful that on the day of Pentecost, there was not 120 people and one flame of fire. There was 120 individual flames of fire that rested upon the head of each individual that was there. 120 individual dreams and identities of the kingdom of God being represented in them. And each of you has a unique flame specific to you burning on the inside that's got to get out. And he's looking for people like you who will say, I don't want to be normal anymore. I don't want to be ordinary, but I will step outside of my comfort zone and dream dreams bigger than just benefiting my life if your dreams only benefit you they are not from the lord if your dreams only benefit you they are not from god if your dream is to get a bigger house it is not from the lord now those are great dreams i have a dream of a bigger house we are building a brand new home great dreams but the dreams from heaven transform the world see American church has created this, this philosophical theology that's all about God wants to give you everything you could possibly want. And it's wonderful. And I have nice things. We have nice things. We travel. We buy, we buy fun stuff. We like to do experiences. I love all those things. But that's not why you were born. You were not born to have nice things. You were born to see cities saved and lives transformed and nations won. That's the dreams that we need. We don't need more dreams of a new car and a better job. We need new dreams that say, make my life count. Make my life change somebody else's life. Make my life be a light to the world, a burning man that says, as Jeffrey said, I don't want to be another bush that just burns up and burns out. I want to be a bush that burns forever. And then somebody stops and says, something's different about that man. Give me those dreams.
Those are the dreams that we need in this church. Those are the dreams we need in America to say, make me something different. So when we leave the village in the place of comfort, we find ourselves now able to dream. It's time to dream. When I was a kid, and even now with my son who's nine and a daughter who's eight and another daughter who's four, we talk all the time about future. And, and it reminds me of when I was a kid, my dad was always, always about, Aaron, dream bigger. And when you think you've dreamed big enough, dream bigger. I, I remember like I was three or four and it was, uh, we lived in Longview and there's a mountain. I think it's, I got lots of Kleenex up here already. Thanks. And water. 12 years, baby. You're good. <laughs> You're amazing. And, and I got a cough drop. I'm prepared. I'm not going to use any of them, but they're all up here. <laughs> There's a mountain in, in Longview called Mount Solo. Anybody know that? Well, as a four-year-old, that's a mountain. As an adult, it's a hill. But I remember at three or four, I drive by and I tell my dad, hey, I want to climb that mountain. Okay. And when I was like maybe five years old, I climbed that mountain. And then he'd be like, okay, what's your next dream? And my, I'd come up with other dreams, and I remember I was like nine or ten. I was like, Dad, I want to start a business. Great. He'd buy me business books, and I, would, I got this thing, and I'd go door to door. I'd sell the most worthless things for 5 to $10, and all of our neighbors would buy them. And I'd start, and I'd make money. And, I, and I, I'd, I'd have these dreams, and then the dreams of traveling. or all. The, and my dad would always tell me, but dream bigger, because you, you only know this much. Just know that God knows everything. So you can never dream big enough. Dream as big as possible. Dream greater dreams than you think you can accomplish on your own. Do you remember what it was like when you would do that? As a kid, when, when your dad would tell you you can accomplish anything, do you remember what that was like? When nothing was impossible? When my dad would tell me I could accomplish anything, I believed him. When he said, Aaron, just, just come up with the wildest thing you could be when you grow up. You can become that. I'd be like, that's right. And anybody who tells me different, they're lying to me. Do you remember? Remember dreaming the childish dreams? This is what Jesus, when he says that to come into the kingdom of God, you must be like a child. It's that childlike faith that says, you believe in a God who was born of a virgin. That he came and then he, he died on a cross and rose from the dead. You believe crazy things. You have faith for foolish things to the mind. Why is it that we don't extend that same faith to ourselves and our future? Let me read a couple scriptures to just kind of stir your faith this morning. Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 1 John 5, 14 says, now this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Mark 9, 23, everything is possible. For one who believes, Psalms 37, for delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
When we read these scriptures, it is evident to us that when we live in the kingdom of God, the opportunities are endless for us, for the Lord. For him who believes and acts according to the will of God, anything is possible. What is the will of the Lord? That all shall be saved. Anything is possible. I want you to think like a child this morning. I want you to think like you did when you were six and eight and 12, wanted to be an astronaut and a basketball player when you were white and five foot nine at your tallest and you thought you'd play in the NBA. Ain't gonna happen. Remember those moments? Think like that today. Because there's a Muggsy Bogues in all of us. If you don't know who Muggsy Bogues is, watch Space Jam. First one. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. People come to dreamers all the time. Come to me and say, that's, that's awesome, but come on. You don't really think that's going to happen, do you? Like, that's really crazy of a dream. Anybody here got a dream that you're scared to tell anybody about? Like, I got a few of those. Like, I don't want even want to tell you from the stage because I'm a little insecure about them still. Because you know what they're going to say, like, they'll probably smile, but you can tell by their fake smile that they think you're an idiot. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. But see, they don't understand. I have proof that it's going to happen. And they're like, well, how do you know? It hasn't happened yet, but I got proof. Well, what's your proof? My faith is my evidence that it will happen. But Aaron, it hasn't happened yet. That's okay. I got proof that it will because of the faith that I possess. See, some of you have been having dreams and you've been wondering why they're dying. It's not because of the lack of dreams, it's because of the lack of faith. I got lots of dreams, but I got faith to back them up so I know that they will happen. There's a lot of dreamers in this room with a little, 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 little bit of faith. And the Lord wants to deposit faith in you today so you've got proof that when the world comes to try to convince you it won't happen, you're like, baby, I got evidence this morning. I've gone to the court of public opinion. And doesn't matter what you say about me or what you say about my dream, I got proof that it's going to happen I don't need you to believe in it I don't need you to approve of it I have proof because my faith is my evidence of things hoped for and not yet seen do you have faith this morning to believe that anything is possible for them that believe I'm starting to yell and my voice is coming back I think it's a sign See, I don't try to get faith and then I get a dream. I've realized that when the Lord gives me a dream because I'm in his presence, faith gets deposited for what I got. 
I'm not searching, God, give me faith. Where's the faith for this? Where's the faith for that? I come into his presence. He gives me a dream and the faith comes forward and then I run. Why? Because I have seen his faithfulness time and time again. Have I been disappointed? Sure, there's been times where I've failed. There's been times where I, I haven't, it hasn't gone the right way. But I remember a story of a man named Joseph who got a dream and found himself in a pit. And the circumstance didn't quite look like the way that he thought it would. Do you remember this story? God gave him a, or his father gave him a coat of many colors from Prada. <laughs> Gucci. Because ain't nobody else making that looking coat. And it was the sign of a favored son. And his brothers hated him for it. They all despised him. I remember being a kid looking at that coat being like, I wouldn't even want that if my dad gave that to me. But he wore that proudly. This was, this was the sign of favor. He was different than everybody else. Because when you're a dreamer, you'll be very different. You'll look different. You'll act different. You'll text different. You'll think different. You'll respond to failure different because there is no such thing as failure. There's an opportunity to learn. So he has this coat and his brothers strip him of this coat when he comes to check in with them. They strip him of the coat and they throw him in the pit. Sometimes the world will try to strip you of your identity to try to make you think that the outward expression of your favor has been stripped from you. But they can't take the dream that's within you. Have you ever found yourself in the pit and you're like, but God, I had a dream and it sure looked a lot different than this pit. But see, even though my circumstances may not mirror the reality of the dream in the future, you can't steal the dream from me. This is why I can't pursue a dream. We live in America that says pursue your dream. I don't pursue a dream. I pursue one thing. I pursue Jesus. And when I pursue Jesus, my dreams follow me. Y'all hear me, I don't pursue a dream. Some of you have been pursuing a dream for all of your life and you've still not found it yet. I don't pursue a dream. I can tell you this, I've seen so many of the dreams in my life come to fruition. So many of them. And you know what? I've never really pursued any of them. Almost all of them, and if I were to sit down and talk with you, I can't even explain to you how I got there. A door opened and then a door closed and then God literally transported me over here and then he moved me over there and I was in a pit and I was like, how the heck did I get here? And it looked like I was, I was never going to become successful in that area. And then all of a sudden God transported me here and I was running Potiphar's home and I was like, well, at least I'm here. I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to do the very best I can. And then I got wrongfully accused and I got fired and I was like, whoa, this doesn't seem like I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm in a prison cell and all of a sudden I'm helping other people's dreams come true. And then all of a sudden God miraculously moves me. And I'm in the palace. How did I get there? I don't know, but I pursued Jesus the whole time. You will never get your dream if you pursue your dream. You'll get your dream when you pursue Jesus. Now the world, the world will try to tell you, pursue your dream. And they're true because a lot of them will fulfill their dream, but they'll feel empty. They'll feel unsatisfied, hurting and abused, never fulfilled. Your greatest dream is not success. This is why if you're sitting there today and the first thing that comes to your mind is a dream that benefits you. 
you got to throw it out. If your dreams today are dreams that benefit you, get rid of them. Are they bad? No, but the Lord wants to place upon you a dream that benefits your world. I'm telling you that dreams from heaven are bigger than you. Dreams from God are bigger than a greater car or a a nicer job or a better bank account or a better marriage. Dreams from heaven are the world around you encountering Jesus. See, some of, you, some of you are having a hard time to even just have dreams that benefit yourself. And I recognize that. I, I, I know that some of you are in situations where it's very hard for you to just even believe for things to get better. But I want to tell you that before you even need to get dreams to make your life better, God wants to give you a dream to make your world better. Because when you pr- start pursuing Jesus, which is the only way those dreams are going to happen anyways, your life and your world and everything around you is going to start getting better. And the things that you once cared about will seem foolish. I believe that the Lord is going to call many of you guys out upon the deep this morning. That you've been kind of waiting in the shallows of the Lord when it comes to purpose. And the Lord is going to call you out from the shallows. Call you into the deep where you cannot do it on your own. See, in the deep, you'll drown unless you got somebody to help you. And as Christians, so often we, we dream dreams that we know we can accomplish because if we dream dreams that are a little too great, we know we're gonna get disappointed because of history. We've tried that before and it didn't work. So let's dream something, let's hope for something and find a purpose in somewhere that we know we can at least do that. Because that way we'll feel good about ourselves. But I believe the Lord wants to call you into the deep where the only way that that dream happens is if God comes through. Anybody want those dreams this morning? Anybody tired of dreaming normal dreams like God just help me get me through the day? I'm tired of dreaming dreams that just benefit my life. I want to dream dreams that change my nation, that change my city, that change my neighborhood. I want to see a church that dreams dreams of people rising up and saying, God, use me to be a light to the world. Imagine a church where we have people who recognize that there's a higher purpose for their life than just waking up in the morning, going to work, providing for their family, and doing again and again and again. I, I realize that there's probably some of you here today as well who are, um, you're older, seasoned, you're seasoned, extra seasoned by the Lord. The flavor is spectacular. You're like, you know how wine gets better the older it gets? You are a nice seasoned wine. Come on, Ken. You are aged with beauty. You are priceless. You are worth more than those young, spunky little wines. No one wants those. They want the hundred-year-old wine, baby. That's what's in the cellar that you pay a lot of money for. So all you aged wine, it's time to dream again. 
Let me tell you something. Peter was thinking about you on the day of Pentecost because he quoted Joel in Acts 2, verse 17. He said, the old men will dream dreams. Let me tell you something. You may be retired. You may be 70. You may be 80. And you may be thinking, haven't I done everything I need to do? It's time to dream again. You're not over. You're not expired. You're getting better with age. So it's time to use what's been improving, what's been growing, and use it for his glory. See, you think I'm just being funny, but let me tell you something. Dreams change with maturity. When I, when I, was, um, when I was like 11 or 12, I've, I've been going to this church since I was four years old. Long time. When I was 11 or 12, we, we had basketball hoops in here. We had concrete floor. Jeff tried to dunk one time, fell on his back on the concrete floor. Not advisable. And uh, I, was, I was convinced it was coming close to New Year's that we were going to have our New Year's party here. Remember our big New Year's parties? And um, I thought someone was going to walk into the room with the suitcase, briefcase, full of millions of catch dollars and give it to me. Now, like, y'all laugh, but I spent weeks writing down on a paper who I would give the money to, whose debt I would pay off, who I'd buy a car for, who I'd buy a house for, who made me mad, and then I removed them from the list. <laughs> and I had iterations of this list. Like, I'm, I, and I came to realize, I forget the number now, but after I wrote everything, I realized I needed, like, five to seven million dollars to do everything I needed. So I came that New Year's Eve night, and, you know, it was a lot of stuff happening, but the whole time I'm watching those doors, just waiting for somebody to walk in with this briefcase of cash because I knew that I had to give all this money away. I mean, I had, I had this dream of having these semis with all the cars on them and what car they would be for which person. Like, it was detailed to the nth degree. I knew what I was going to do. And nobody came to give me money that night. Shocking, I know. And then that, and, and with that, you know, I was going to give clothes away, I was going to give cars away, and then, and I've shared this before, when I was uh, 18 years old, the Lord told me to give my car away. When I was 16 years old, the Lord go, told me to give away all my, my favorite clothes. It's amazing how it changes. And then um, when, I got a little, when I got a little older, I had this dream, I was maybe 19, that the Lord was going to have me build a dream center. And in this dream center, everyone would come with a dream in the arts or the sciences or education or uh, ministry. And I'd have this huge resource of money. And whatever your dream was, we'd make it happen. And I, I've, I mean, I calculated I needed like $10 million a year. I was like, ah, it's going to be great. Someone's going to give me $10 million a year. I'm going to build this great facility. It's going to be awesome. No one gave me $10 million every year. But I, it changed. As I got older, it changed. And then in 2018, I've shared this before, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to start a nonprofit. I want you to call it 33rd Company. I want you to give lots and lots of money to it every year. And last year he spoke to me and said, in 2022, I want you to double what you put into it every year. And... Um, and then other people started giving to it. And all of a sudden in this year, we hired my, one of my best friends to, 
fulfill the dream that he has on his life to travel the world and preach the gospel. Then we found a guy in Iraq named David Papavisi who has a dream to see the nation of Iraq changed. And we gave him tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And we're beginning to see things shift in the nation of Iraq. And all of a sudden, you realize that the dream that I had when I was 11, through maturity, through growth, it's still in there. And now it's becoming something that I didn't first imagine it would be. I had to create my own duffel bag of money. I had to find other people with a briefcase of money. But all of a sudden, the Lord used that dream that nurtured and developed. You know, let's take Joseph for a moment. When Joseph first had his dream, you want to know how he thought his dream looked? It looked like power. I see 11 stars and the sun and the moon, and they're all bowing down to me. Because I'm awesome. His brothers hated him. Obviously the man was arrogant. And a little foolish. Like that dumb little 11 year old. Waiting for someone to walk through. As if entrusting an 11 year old with 5 million dollars. Is a good idea. <laughs> right. And, and then it was all about himself. And then he finds himself in the pit. And then he finds himself as a slave being sold. And then he's, he's doing awesome, but then he's wrongfully accused and he's two years in prison and, and he's still there. And then he's seeing other people's dreams come true. And then he gets promoted to the palace and still nine years later is when he finally sees this dream come true. But that dream looks like him weeping with his brothers. My, how the dream has changed from power and influence to now here I am weeping with my brothers. Because my dream is no longer about me. It's about helping. It's about seeing lives transformed and cities saved and nations won. My dream is no longer to benefit my life, to have everybody else bow down to me so that people can be like, wow, thank you, Aaron. You gave me that money. You paid off my debt. Isn't that awesome? Now my dream is how can I help other people fulfill their dreams? How can I impact other lives? I can't do all of those things, but surely I can find somebody else who can do it and I can help them fulfill their dream. Do you see how... When I'm talking about people who are a little seasoned, how you're actually in the perfect spot to continue to dream because maturity and growth has developed in you to where you understand how your dreams can actually change the world. And those dreams that started out when you were 11 or 12 that you've hidden away and you've been embarrassed by and scared of, those are those dreams that the Lord's like, I want to bring them back. I want to bring them back. And what once looked like, well, I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to stand up on a stage and preach. Yeah, but you got a workroom at your office with eight people that gather around every day for lunch. And maybe the Lord destined you to preach right there to change the world around you. Yeah, but I thought I'd be a famous writer. I thought I'd write a book and everybody would read it. It would be a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, but you know those, those little ideas you get about people and those little prophetic thoughts that you get yet when you start sending those text messages and writing them down and giving to people like Michelle did today that will actually change their life much more than just a book on the New York Times bestseller list all of a sudden with time and maturity you realize my dreams aren't meant to benefit me they're meant to benefit others and now you realize why he went to the pit why he was sold why he went to work in Potiphar's house, why he was wrongfully accused, why he went to the prison, because he needed to change. 
my fear is that oftentimes while we never see dreams realized, it's because we don't change. This is why a couple uh, weeks ago I spoke on the discipline of the Lord. Oh, wasn't that a great message? Got great feedback from you all on that one. It was all like, never speak on that again. Because if you won't let the Lord prune you, you'll quit in the pit. You'll quit the moment the robe is stripped off of you. The moment your environment doesn't look like the dream, you'll say, ain't nobody asked me to go this crazy. I'm quitting. Because my dream looked like everybody was bowing down to me. And this looks like a pit. So we got a lot of believers who get a lot of dreams, but they don't got the faith to get them through the dream. See, your dream is like a seed. It gets deposited by the Lord into the soil of your heart. Now, I'm not a gardener. Shocker, I know. This outfit does not give that away at all. But my daughter loves to garden. My son wants to fish and hunt, and my daughter wants to garden. Dear Heavenly Father, why? But Charlie, had, we got her this little Home Depot raised flower bed thing, and she grew cilantro, which we ate, and carrots, which never grew longer than an inch, and flowers and whatever else. She had something else, lettuce, which we ate. But you know, those, those seeds we had to water, those seeds we had to make sure had sunlight. We had to make sure that those seeds had the right soil. We had to make sure that our cats didn't poop on them. <laughs> and oftentimes those dreams get deposited in the soil of our heart and we wonder whatever happened to them. It's because you never protected them. You didn't nurture them. And there are seeds that the Lord has deposited in many of your hearts that you've neglected for years. They were great, great seeds. And they didn't happen as quickly as you thought they would. Nothing ever does. But you let them go. And they've lied dormant underneath the soil of your heart. Weeds have grown around. They've been distant from the sun, the S-O-N. And they haven't been allowed to grow. And it's time to remember those seeds again. There's many of you 30, 40 plusers in the room who you had seeds when you were late teenagers, early 20s that the Lord gave you for your life and you got busy with life and you neglected the dreams that the Lord gave you. Some of you, your dream is to sit on your couch tonight and watch Tom Brady destroy the Patriots. Some of you, your dream is just to get married. Some of you, your dream is to move out of an apartment and buy a house. All great dreams. But I'm telling you, those aren't the dreams from God for you. God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to do wonderful things to you. But the dreams from God, the dreams from heaven, change the world around you. Let me tell you something. Do you think the apostles thought that God wanted to give them a better house for their dream? as they were being sawed in half, as they were being dragged with a rope tied around them from a horse or all of their limbs spread out and horses running in every direction as they were torn apart? Do you think that they thought, man, that was the dream. Where was the dream of the new, the new wagon, Lord? 
No, they said, I am honored to die for you because the dream that you gave me was to give my life for the gospel. Imagine a church of dreamers that say, my life is not my own. I've been bought with the price. Thus, I will use it to not just benefit myself, but the world around me. Imagine your dream being all about creating an, an amazing life for yourself. And at the end, you retire and, and you've got millions of dollars stashed away in a 401k and an IRA. And, and you retire and you, you have a house down in Arizona. I work with people all the time that have this lifestyle. And they've got millions of dollars and they live great lives. And you know what so many of them say at the end? Well, what do I do with all of this stuff when I die? Because the dream was really for nothing. God wants to give you dreams to change the world. Not to benefit your life, but that your life would be a benefit to the world. See, when you're a dreamer, you must have the courage to act outwardly what you see inwardly. This morning, do you have the courage to act outwardly what I see inwardly? Because on the inside, I see revival. On the outside, I see probably... We're a church of um, combined, before, before we launched Longview, we were a church of eight, 900 people in a city of 6,500. 6, Great percentages, right? But I don't stand on the laurels of a percentage. I look at 5,000 people that don't know him. So what do I do on the inside I see revival and city saved. On the outside, I don't yet see it. So I stand in the gap and I say, I have faith to believe for revival. Thus, I will continue to contend until I see it happen. So I have a dream that, that benefits others, a dream of doing something extraordinary that seems insurmountable, that seems impossible. But I'm just working my nine to five job or I'm a stay-at-home mom or I'm homeschooling my kids. So how do I stand in that gap? Because right now I find myself slaving in Potiphar's house. It's my husband's home or it's uh, the bank's home or I'm paying somebody else's, whatever it is. I'm slaving in Potiphar's house or I'm in prison or I'm in the pit. But I got the dream. What do I do? You steward exactly where the Lord has placed you. Never losing hope and praying into the dream. Let me tell you something. I, I own a business um, which is what's allowed me to be able to create this nonprofit. But for two years, I worked seven days a week. I had one child when I started, and the other one was born during that season. I worked four days at AT&T selling cell phones and three days trying to start a business. Seven days a week, two years. That was the pit in the prison combined. It was horrible. And my whole family had to buy into it. Sometimes you'll find yourself, see, we, we think that if we just have a big enough dream, God is obligated to fulfill it. We got a lot of Christians. Y'all still with me this morning? We got a lot of Christians who think if I just dream dreams, God's obligated. He ain't obligated to do anything. He is God. And we forget that scripture that says, God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power, love, and self-discipline. It's called not being lazy. It's called working your butt off. 
When Joseph was in Potiphar's house, a place he didn't want to be, a place he was thrown in because he was abused and neglected and ostracized by his brothers, did he mope around? No, he stewarded the house, was elevated to being the number two right underneath Potiphar. When he was in the prison, he was basically managing the prison, making other people's dreams come true. He could have been moping, but yet he was praising in the prison. When you find yourself in a place distance from the dream being fulfilled, how do you respond? Because how you respond in those moments will generally indicate whether you will ever see the dream. Because the prison, Potiphar's house, the pit, were all to prepare Joseph for the dream. The very things you've been praying yourself out of is the very place God has placed you in. How many times I've been in moments and seasons of my life, I'm in them today, and I'm like, God, get me out of them. And he's like, why? I got you here so you could grow. I'm like, you're right, Lord, teach me. Because God, I need more of you. And I gotta go from glory to glory to glory. So God, change me today. Because I'm now getting more comfortable. that I, Because I know the next time I get to the next glory, and I'm like, now God, I'm ready for the next glory, I know he's gonna change me again. So I'm just being prepared. God, just prove me. Just don't stop. Just keep it up. God, show me. Reveal to me where I need to die. Your dream does not obligate the Lord to fulfill it. I'm so proud of you for dreaming. But let's be honest, we got a lot of Christians who've been given a lot of prophetic words. Well, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I've been given prophetic words my whole life. And you know what? They never would have happened if I didn't strap up my bootstraps, run through the mire, get dirty, get exhausted, go through things with my wife where we're like, is it worth it? But then you realize, but the dream and what God spoke, we got to change the world so I won't give up. We need some Christians who won't give up even when their dream starts looking a little different. Are you with me this morning? We need some Christians who won't give up and quit, but will hold on to that dream to say, I know that God gave it to me. Thus, I will continue. Thus, I will persevere. Thus, I will not get weary in well-doing because in due time, the reward will come. It's time to dream again. When you dream, you will feel very vulnerable because you realize just how insignificant you really are. If you start dreaming, you will realize how insignificant you really are. I say this from experience. There's times the Lord gives me dreams, and I'm like, like when I'm 26 and he asks us to pastor this church, and I'm like, God, but I don't want to be a pastor. They are underpaid and overworked. I don't want it. And then he puts a dream in me, and I'm like, Lord, I ain't qualified. Like you got the wrong guy. Y'all don't know this, but for about two years, I didn't want to do this. I was like, God, you literally got the wrong guy. I'd tell Jonathan and Casey and Chris, I'm like, guys, I'm just doing this to get us through. And then I'm going to find something else because this is not what I'm called to do. And then the Lord puts a dream in you. See, the Lord doesn't put a dream in you in the spotlight. He puts a dream when you're a 17-year-old kid who's ignorant and arrogant and stupid. And then you tell your brothers and they strip you of your rope. The, the Lord gives you the dream when you're not prepared. That's really good news. I don't know if you're hearing me. The Lord gives you the dream when you're not ready. 
So none of you should get a dream from the Lord and be like, I got this. That ain't from the Lord. The dreams from God seem impossible. That's when you know they're from the Lord. Because the only way it happens is if he comes through. Those are the ones that I want. I don't want the dreams where I'm like, I got this because I'm good enough. I want the dreams where I'm like, Lord, if you don't come through, I'm screwed. I'm going to look stupid. And he's like, perfect. Come out upon the deep with me. Come out where if I don't come through, you sink. Because my faith is only in him at that point, And it definitely is not in me. We need some Christians to begin to realize that when the Spirit of God fills you, all of the creativity, all of the innovation, all of the ideas of heaven rest and dwell within you. Dreams, they should be easy. It should be easy to get. Heaven on earth inside of you, spending time in the presence of the Lord and ideas start coming to you, that should be normal. The Lord's just looking for people who will partner and say, I'll give it a shot. I got nothing else to lose because it's not about trying to preserve a reputation or a bank account. It's not trying to preserve a job or a career. It's just trying to say, God, I want to live for you all the days of my life. It's time to dream, church. It's time to really dream big. The foolish dreams. I got dreams I'm scared to tell you from the stage. I got dreams I'm scared to tell my wife about because she'll hold me to them. What are your dreams this morning? What are your dreams that that you've let go of? I'm talking to some of the young people this morning, but I want to speak more to these 30 and over that life has happened and you've just gotten busy. If we're being honest, if I had a show of hands and you all were honest this morning of people who have just found themselves in the rut and routine of life, all great things, working hard, providing for your family, getting your kids to school, changing poopy diapers, all the good stuff. And, and your dream was like, I just want to get to the next vacation to kind of catch my breath or I just kind of want to, I'd love to make a little bit more to provide a little bit better for my family or man, I just... You know, I'd love to see things just get a little bit better with my spouse. If, if we had a show of hands of people and those were really your dreams, if we were being honest, it'd probably be a majority in this room. All great things. But God wants to tell you this morning, there are dreams from heaven that are bigger than you, bigger than what you can do on your own strength, that don't just benefit you, but might actually remove things from your life so that you can be a witness to the world. Those are the dreams we're asking for this morning. If you want to receive those dreams this morning, I want you to stand to your feet. Some of you in this room, you are living within your dream already. I I believe it's a very small percentage of you, but I want to speak to you for just one moment. You're living in your dream. You must remember that it is your dream. From experience, there are many times where I wish I wasn't in my dream anymore. Let me give you an example. You're a young girl and all you want to do is have a baby. All of a sudden you have a baby and they're two months old and you're up every morning at 1 a.m. and you're like, God, take it back. That's what I'm talking about. 
You're living your dream. You're a business owner. You've always wanted to be one, but all of a sudden you got employees, you got payroll, you got issues, you got changes in tax reform, and you're like, God, why did I ever do this? Don't forget, God placed you there. Steward the dream well. And realize this, that if you've accomplished your dreams, you need to dream bigger. If there is anybody in the room this morning where you're like, you know, I love what you're saying, but I feel like I've kind of accomplished the dreams of my life, then you need to restart again. Dream again. So this morning, if you, if you stood and it appears as if most did, if you're not, that's totally fine. But if you're like, I, I want the dreams that are bigger than me. I want the dreams that change my city, that, that impact people's lives for eternity. I just want you to do this. There's nothing special about anything this morning except a heart hungry for Jesus. Just close your eyes. Really simple. I just want you to close your eyes and, and out loud just ask the Lord. Say, God, I'm ready. God, give me your dreams, the dreams of heaven. God, I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be status quo. God, I want to be different. God, use me. Take me upon the deep, God. I'm ready to leave the shallows. I'm ready to leave comfort. I'm ready to leave the familiar. I want to dream big dreams. I want to climb that mountain. I want, to, I want to get over it. And God, I realize that I just need the faith as small as a mustard seed to say to that mountain, be removed, and it will be removed. So God, deposit faith in me this morning. Come on, ask him. Ask him. Say, God, give me faith. Give me faith, God, that you've qualified me, that I'm unique and special. If you're this morning struggling with being unqualified, of being unimportant, of being insignificant, place your hand on your heart. Right now, if you're feeling unqualified and insignificant and unimportant, put your hand on your heart. In Jesus' name, I take authority over every lie of Satan, that you are un insignificant, that you are not special, that the Lord messed up with you, that you are not beautiful, that you are not smart, that you are not perfectly made, that you are dumb, that you are neglected, that what your parents said about you is true. I take authority over those lies. In Jesus' name, you are called and you are favored. You are a son and a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You are creative. You are innovative. You are chosen in Jesus' name. Say that. Say, I am chosen. Say it again. Say, I am chosen. You are destined to dream. You have a higher purpose than you realize. Lord, I pray over every single person in this room for a higher purpose in Jesus' name. You open up their minds to the things of heaven, a higher purpose. You are not made to live a successful life. You are not made to live a comfortable life. You are not made to just have a good job and pay your bills on time. You are made to change the world. God, make us world changers this morning. God, come into our being this morning and breathe fresh fire. Come alive in Jesus' name. Fresh dreams, fresh visions. Be birthed in us this morning. Deposit seeds in our spirits, God. God, come and remove the weeds. Remove the lies. God, come and bring fresh water. 
upon our seats this morning. Deposit faith in Jesus' name. We need faith, God. People who are ready to quit, give them faith in Jesus' name. We say yes, God. We say yes, God. We will not turn back. We will not get distracted. God, we say yes. Use me. Send me. God, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing, God. Make me into a vessel that you can use. Make me into a vessel that you can use. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready, Jesus. like we gotta keep hitting these lies you are not insignificant I know you think your gift is small but that gift can impact lives I know you think that what you're good at was just so you could have a career but that strength that gifting was to impact people I know you think you're just a good host but that gift was to impact lives I know you think you're just good at relationships. You're just good with your hands. You're just good with writing. But those gifts were meant to impact the world. You were not made to just have a good job. You were not made to make money. You were made to glorify your father with your life. No matter how small your gift is, no matter how great your gift is, it was never about you. It was always about Him. So Lord, this morning I surrender my gifts to you. I surrender my strengths, my desires. Some of you, you've been pursuing your desires, you've been pursuing your fame or your, your success, you've been pursuing changing your life to benefit yourself in one way or another god i surrender all of it this morning god if i lost all of it but i had you that would be enough god may i never pursue my dream may it never be like abraham god where the promise became an idol in my life and i had to come and take my son the very promise of the lord and place him upon the altar so that again you could test my heart to see if it was truly yours god i give it to you today you can have it all you can have the promises over my life you can have the dreams within my heart god i surrender them to you this morning I'm going to ask one last question if you feel this morning that you have no dreams at all even as we've been praying you're like I still don't know what I'm called to do I want you to be brave enough to raise your hand like I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life come on anybody else raise it raise it high I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing I don't know what I'm called to raise your hand Jesus right now I ask that each one of these people raising their hand God come right now and bring clarity bring clarity in Jesus name open up their minds and their hearts to see the purpose of God you have a purpose you have a purpose you have dreams that God has for you 
you have a higher purpose in your life than you think you do. God, come right now and deposit purpose in their life. You were made to impact others. You were made to see lives transformed. You were made to see a harvest come. God, you've given them strengths and gifts. You've given them intellect and ability that nobody else has like them. God, we thank you for what you've given them. God, come right now and show them what you called them to do. Tonight as they sleep, this week as they're with you, as they're driving in their car, give them confirmation after confirmation of what you're calling them to do. Even those of you raising your hands, I feel like the Lord's asking you, will you lay down every dream that you've once had? Will you be willing to let me change it for you? Some of you, you've been holding on to dreams and the Lord's like, is that really mine? Some of you need to lay down the dream that you've been carrying and say, God, if this is you, you'll give it back to me. I don't want my dream, I want Jesus. And if I get him, I know I'll get my dream. So Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have called this house to be a house of dreamers. God, it's time to dream. God, begin with us today. Oh, God, breathe fresh, fresh fire, the breath of life upon the dreams in our hearts. Fan the flame. Ignite the fire again, Jesus. Fan the flame and ignite the fire again. Oh, come on, fan that flame, Jesus, and ignite that fire again in our hearts. To dream again. You have purpose. You have purpose. It's time to dream. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.